This is episode number 16 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Hey, welcome to episode number 16 of High Impact Leaders. I'm Doug Stannert, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps people just like you acquire leadership and management skills to improve your careers and facilitate dynamic growth in your business. On this episode, we're finishing up our leadership series. And if you recall, a couple of months ago, I started covering 28 ways to influence people and become a stronger leader. And and for the first week, I talked about step one, which is how to build trust and rapport with your team. And then a couple of weeks later, we covered step two, which was how to resolve conflicts. And then the last section that we covered was focusing on how to gain enthusiastic cooperation from your team. And, and if you recall, this is a step-by-step process. So the first week we covered seven principles. The second week we covered seven principles. Third week we covered seven principles. And that they're designed that way so that you can create a new habit every day. So you cover principle number one on day one and then principle number two on day two. And then as you create those new habits, you start to build that rapport. You start to reduce those conflicts. You start to gain that cooperation from your team. And as you can see, the steps are progressive, meaning that if the trust level is really low, then you're going to have more conflicts. And if you're in a conflict with somebody, it's hard to gain enthusiastic cooperation from them. So the better you've done implementing the previous steps, the easier this week's content is going to be. And you, you basically, you'll get fantastic results if you've done really well in the early stages. Now, just as an FYI, we had a huge number of people and, and companies and that have requested virtual training from us. And by the way, we're seeing fabulous results with some of the online virtual training that we're doing. And in fact, on my other podcast, on the Fearless Presentations podcast, if you've listened to that, I just finished an entire series on how to conduct more effective virtual meetings. It's, I would encourage you to, if you if you are doing virtual meetings, if you're doing all the Zoom meetings, that kind of thing, then uh, that's a, a really good le- series of lessons to to go back and refresh yourself on. Now, as a result, though, in addition to all of the high impact leaders content and the fearless presentations content that we're offering virtually online, um, we've actually got a special workshop that we just created called called uh, Business Re- Reboot 2020. It's easy for me to say, right? Business Reboot 2020, and it's designed to help companies get back to work in a post. COVID-19 world. You know, like for instance, many managers are having a little difficulty getting the team to actually enthusiastically come back to work. A lot of times these managers are hearing things like, oh, but boss, we're so much more efficient when we're working from home. And what the business reboot does is it helps leaders reduce that that fear and anxiety that team members are feeling and really helps them get that enthusiasm back from their team. So if you'd like details about any of that stuff, any, either High Impact Leaders, Fearless Presentations, the Business Reboot, or any of our other virtual programs, just go to our website at leadersinstitute.com, or you can shoot us an email to request information at info at leadersinstitute.com. All right, let's get on with today's topic. So the title today is Building Leaders from Within Your Organization. And, and in fact, these are going to be the seven absolute best ways to build the next generation of leaders within your organization. If you own or run a business, you basically have two choices. You can either search for leaders in the marketplace and then try to convince those leaders to join your team, 
Or alternatively, you can build leaders from within your own organization. And when you do the latter, you've, you actually have the potential to create enthusiasm within your team. You're, you're creating a culture of growth and energy. It's actually cheaper for your company, by the way. And, it, and it's really more rewarding for you as, the, as the, the, the person who's running this organization if you do it this way. Um, so in this, in this episode, I'm going to cover the seven absolute best ways to build your next generation of leaders. If, and if you're interested in, in building leaders from within, then these tips can really, really, really help. So let's, let's first, though, talk about how to influence people in a positive way and, and really help your team grow, grow. So before I kind of cover the seven tips, let's start with why these skills actually work. You know, Because although every human being is different, most of us want specific things from our leaders. You know, for instance, people will do things for and follow people who they know, they like, and they respect. So they have to know you, obviously, if they're going to work for you. They have to like you, and they have to respect you. In addition to that, every person really wants to feel important. I mean, that's that's one of the the, the basic needs that all human beings have is they want to feel important. Um, thirdly, leaders who make those people around them feel important, they build confidence in those people. And then finally, confident people who feel that their job is important tend to trust and respect their leaders. So all four of those things have to kind of be in place if you want to build the kind of team that you're looking for. Now, many people think that leaders have to tear people down and build them back up. You know, that's like boot camp in the army or something like that. And and this is a huge mistake, especially in the business world. You know, for some reason, we tend to believe that the best way to get people to be productive is to kind of kick them in the pants every once in a while. And typically, you're going to get the actual the actual opposite effect if you do that, because your team may comply out of fear, but they're, they're not going to grow in confidence. So as a result, you'll have to kind of order them around to do every little thing. Otherwise, nothing's ever going to get done. Um, I, I give an example of this. Uh, the the uh, Bobby Knight, you know, when I was a teenager, Bobby Knight was like he was a basketball coach at Indiana, and he was most known for anyway. While I was growing up, anyway, he was most known for throwing a chair across the basketball court at, at I think it was Purdue. And by the way, I I found that um, segment on YouTube, and I and I put this in the show notes. So if you want to see the, the Bobby Knight throwing the chair across the the basketball court, the the whole incident is on YouTube, at courtesy of ESPN, and um, and you can kind of see that. Um, but I mean, I hadn't seen that footage in over thirty years. I, I still remembered it, but when I went back to look at it, I noticed something that I didn't notice thirty years ago. A few minutes into the scene, into the recording, you can hear the crowd yelling, "Bobby, Bobby, Bobby!" This, I, and basically, what that showed is that the students at Indiana absolutely loved Bobby Knight. They respected him, and and Bobby Knight didn't win over eight hundred games because he threw chairs across the basketball courts. By the way, he won games because he loved his teams. And his teams absolutely love and respected him. Uh, there was I, I found an article on ESPN. Uh, it, a guy named John Belus uh, was the author of it, and it was called um, "800 Reasons Why I Love Bobby Knight." And this was right right as he I think he had, at the time he had 799 wins, and he was he was on the verge of getting the 800 win 800 career wins. And uh, and this was the excerpt. I'll kind of read it because it's it's 
something I don't, I don't have memorized, but I think it was kind of touching. He said, uh, so this is, this is B-Lusk um, from this article. He said, the Monday following its loss to Kansas State, Texas Tech had two short and focused workouts. The players were, were spirited and alert while working on their shooting and, and zone offense. Knight was his usual self in practice. You know, he was barking instructions, barking encouragement. He had dry witticisms and, in, and, and doing it in such a way that the action rarely stopped. And if you hadn't, if you had not known that Texas Tech had lost by 25 in its last time out, you never would have guessed it by the manner in which the players and coaches approached their work. Following the workout, as he usually does, Knight took his players into the locker room to discuss the practice. Knight told his players the things that he, that they did well during the, the the morning workout, what they would work on and to accomplish in the afternoon workout, what they basically what I wanted them to accomplish in the afternoon workout, and then he closed by saying something that that few would believe. Given the widespread perception of Knight, he said thank you to his players. Knight thanked them for their concentration, for their hard work, for their attentiveness to the tasks that were at hand. He also said uh, he he also said they gave him as enjoyable a practice as he has had as a coach. He told him that he expected the same kind of effort and environment in the afternoon workout. In another in 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 a way it was uh, still quoting in a in a way it was extraordinary. In another way it was just night. So that was the end quote. But basically, that was Bobby Knight's way of building leaders from within. From within. And a, a, a number of the things that he did at the end of that practice that the ESPN coach kind of complimented him on or noticed are things that that um, we're, we're going to talk about here today when we cover the the seven best ways to build your your next generation of leaders. So, and by the way, these principles are time-tested. They're principles. They work 100% of the time. If you make these things a part of your normal coaching style, then you're going to, you're, you're going to grow fantastic leaders from within your organization. Many of these principles, by the way, will help you gain trust and respect from the people around you. And, and as the level of trust and respect increases, your influence over others will grow as well. So one of the things that you can do to build that next generation of leaders is to establish solid trust before offering advice. Anytime that we criticize somebody, there's going to be some amount of resent, resentment. I mean, they're going to resent that we've criticized them. Can we, can we point out the mistakes of others without resentment? Yeah, we, I mean, we can, but you first have to build that solid trust with, that, with, per, with the person. And, and they got to know that our only concern is their welfare. Otherwise, the criticism is going to backfire. So if you picture your relationship with other people as like a check registry, like in the olden days, we used to have checkbooks with the, with the registries where you kind of kept track of your deposits and withdrawals, and, and hopefully you had more deposits than withdrawals so that you weren't overdrawn. But anytime you have a positive interaction with somebody, you add a deposit into that relationship bank account. And anytime you say something negative or you do something negative against that person, you're going to register a withdrawal with that person. So when we have a series of positive interactions with somebody, we build a positive balance in the account. The opposite is true, though, as well. When, when, when we're negative, our relationships may become overdrawn, just like I was talking about with a bank account. And, and the amount of influence, the amount of trust that we have with that person often depends on the balance that's in this account. So when people trust us, 
they're more likely to want to accept our advice and direction. Without the trust, though, our, our message, no matter how good it is, will fall on deaf ears. By the way, that's one of the main reasons why we spent the whole first week on building trust and rapport with people, because if we haven't yet done that, then none of the rest of these principles are going to work. So establish that tr solid trust with your team, and then you'll be able to influence them more effectively. If you want to build great leaders, then your integrity is vital. So keep promises, even small ones. Now, a person who breaks his word on little things is also likely to break his word on bigger things, too. Wes Zimmerman, who is the author of Perception of, of a Difference, he put it very clearly when he wrote, quoting Wes, he said, it, It's been my experience that people possessing high integrity are honest in little things and big ones. They're honest with themselves. They tend to think about what they're going to say before they say it. Above all, they do these things consistently. Their consistency earns my trust. So in contrast, when somebody breaks a promise, even a tiny one, it shows their character. They'll tend to shade the truth a little and quote things a little out of context. So once this character flaw is noticed, it's very difficult to gain the trust back that is lost. So when promises, even little ones, are kept consistently over a period of time, the leader develops the integrity that the people that work for you and work with you can look up to. So Brian Tracy, he's a famous uh, motivational speaker and trainer. He says that the glue that holds all relationships together, including the relationship between the leader and the led, is trust. And trust is based on integrity. So if you want to build that type of integrity with your team, keep your promises, even the small ones. Another great principle about building leaders is to be enthusiastic about the success of other people. And in fact, one common trait of great leaders is that they, they, they build other leaders along the way. Now, one of the reasons that Phil Jackson became one of the most successful basketball coaches of all time is that he was increasingly enthusiastic about the success of his players. Michael Jordan believed that this was so important that he refused to play for any other coach. So Phil Jackson has eight NBA championship rings as a coach. And in 1998, he, after his sixth championship, he told Cigar Aficionado magazine, hey, it's normal for people to want more credit for success than is due them. Yet the reality is that our championships were won on the court by Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and the other players and the coaching staff. And then three years later, while coaching on a new team, this is what Jackson said. He says, it's incredible to be in this position as a coach. Everything revolves around the team and the staff that I've, that I've built around this team. I've been in the, in the right spot and fortunate enough to have players who put me in this position. As a result, you know, great players are attracted to Jackson because he builds great leaders. Team members will flock to you too if you're enthusiastic about their success. If you want to build great leaders within your organization, another good principle is to recognize the potential in those folks that work for you and then help them achieve it. So for the past 20 years, the Leaders Institute instructors have helped people gain confidence in becoming effective leaders by basically pointing out strengths in, in our class members that they may not have even recognized in themselves. In fact, um, psychologist William James, God, over 100 years ago now, he once said that in a person's lifetime, he will only tap into about 10% of his potential. And we call this untapped potential, we call it our blind spots. 
So our job as leaders, your job as a leader, is to help minimize the blind spots in, in the people that work for you. So when we recognize potential in others, we need to encourage them to tap into that potential. For instance, when I was in college, I had a part-time job facilitating after-school care for, for kids, and I noticed that when I scolded or, or punished the kids, they just tested me even more. They just they, they, they fought against me. And, and by the way, this was my first real position of authority. I mean, this is the first time I was ever leading anything, and it was a bunch of fourth graders, right? And uh, the kids were kind of showing me that they were really in charge. And I had to think fast, so I, I pulled one of the boys aside and, and asked him if he wanted to be my sheriff. And I told him that if he wanted to be an authority, that he had to help me by by setting the example. And it worked like a charm. When he was on, once he was on my side, the other kids that were that were in the group began to to work with me rather than against me. They wanted to be you know the deputy sheriffs and that kind of thing. And as the year went on, by the way, those, those the problem kids, the ones that were the the toughest on me in the beginning, they became some of the most responsible in the in the whole group. And the process works pretty well with adults too. I mean, my website, by the way, is full of testimonials from managers who, who came into their own shortly after getting their first big promotion. And all of them, you know, really all they really needed was somebody to believe in them. You know, get that first big promotion and then they just take it and run with it. So don't discount people just because they have a few rough edges. Instead, look for strengths that they have and then help them grow even more in those areas in those areas. People will tend to live up to the expectations that that others set for them. So set your standards high and encourage others to reach them. And if you do that, you're going to build a fantastic group of leaders within your organization. If you want to build great leaders, catch people doing things right. One of my best coaches, one of the best coaches that I ever had was uh, was coach Gary Gaines. Um, He was the at the time he was the linebacker coach at at my college where where I went to school. And if you ever saw the movie Friday Night Lights or read the book, he was the head coach played by Billy Bob Thornton in the movie. And what what made him so good, what made him such a great coach, by the way, was that uh, he's he's a very mild-mannered person, but when he caught somebody doing something right, he enthusiastically called attention to it. I mean, I still remember, I mean, it's been it's a long time ago, decades ago anyway, where um, specific plays that I made in college because Coach Gaines would always give an immediate kind of pat on the back. And and then when we reviewed the film later on, he would show the great plays over and over and over again so that everybody saw them. So anytime somebody did something really well, he reinforced it over and over and over one of the other strengths that Coach Gaines had was the way that he made corrections and, and pointed out mistakes. So rather than saying, standard, you missed two tackles, you know, like a lot of coaches would do, he called attention to the mistakes as a team. He would say the team missed six tackles in, in practice or whatever, scrimmage or whatever. And, I mean, I personally knew that I had missed two of those six, but he let me save face. It, it, it made me want to improve. I didn't want to be the guy who missed the tackle. And so as a result, he, because he let me save face, it, it helped me make those improvements. In the, in the two years that I played for him, by the way, he developed, just in that two years, he developed uh, three players who went on to play professional football off of a single team. And then one of those players uh, was an all-pro every year that he played. Uh, so, I mean, that, that coaching style really works. Um, what most managers use 
by the way, is what, what Ken Blanchard called the leave alone zap method of coaching. That's where they, they leave their direct reports alone until that direct report makes a mistake. And then they come by and zap, you know, and give them, you know, that zap them in order to, to make a corrective action. And this type of management style makes it to where the manager becomes the merchant of death. <laughs> it's in that the only time that the direct report gets coaching is when they're going to get hammered. And that's, that's not the best way to create a positive environment within your organization. So a better way of managing and coaching people is to look for things that they're doing right and then reinforce those things. You want to show encouragement, help them strengthen those things that they're already doing well. And if we do this, then the things that they're doing wrong will kind of fade away over time. Works really, really well. Works like magic, by the way. Now, one of the leadership tips that people will most often forget to do is praise the baby steps. The person who's working around you, working for you, working with you doesn't have to be perfect in order to, to, to get an enthusiastic, positive response. They just have to be moving in the right directions. You know, parents know this, you know, they know that it takes patience, encouragement and consistent action to teach a baby to walk. So the baby, you know, takes one step and the parents cheer and then the baby takes, uh, you know, falls down and the parents say, that's okay, you can do it. And the baby walks just a few feet and she's like a champion, right? So for some reason, we don't use that same encouragement for our employees and our coworkers, though. You know, most managers call attention to the mistakes of their employees and then wonder why they have to consistently look over the shoulders of their people. And if you want to build great leaders, you have to help them build their confidence as they gain experience. So call attention to their successes, no matter how small the success seems to be. And when you do that, we're anchoring that, that, that positive behavior that they're exhibiting. So if you want to change behavior, maybe the person's not doing quite the things quite right. You can still use this technique. So you try calling attention to somebody's mistake indirectly and then watch to see how the behavior changes. Then when you catch that person doing things the right way, praise the improvement. Chances are that you'll begin to see this behavior more consistently. So praise the improvements in the right direction and you'll build strong leaders all around you. One of my favorite leadership principles is to go out of your way for people. Um, Joe Girard is is most known anyway for being in the Guinness Book of World Records for selling cars because he consistently goes out of his way for his customers. You know, for instance, if if his customer ever needed service on their car, Gerard personally represents them when they come into the service department. And then sometimes he even pays for the work himself. Um, every one of his customers, by the way, and there, there are thousands, he's had thousands of, of um, customers buying cars from him. They receive a special card from him every single month. Every once a month, they get a card from him. It may be St. Patrick's Day in March or a Thanksgiving card in November. But they hear from him every single month. And he has hundreds of things that he does in which he goes out of his way to make sure that his customers are satisfied. Most of these customers, by the way, are repeat buyers and, and they refer their friends to him. So when, when we go out of our way for someone, when we do something above and beyond the call of duty, we're creating a memorable impression upon that person. You know, Harvey McKay once had a, a friend relay a story about a, co a colleague that called him at 2 a.m. 
desperate because he needed $20,000 he was going to lose his business. And his friend remarked that if if his own business had been in trouble, he couldn't think of more than a couple of people that he could call for help. And McKay kind of thought about it for a second. He replied, well, he, he could name 50 people that he could call. And the reason why Harvey McKay could do that was because Harvey McKay had those relationships. He'd gone out, he'd gone to bat for each of those 50 people. So he had been that person that folks called at 2 a.m. And, and went to bat for them. And so as a result, he had built up a lot of rapport with, with a lot of different people. So if you want relationships like that, you have to go out of your way for people. Go above and beyond the call of duty, and they're gonna, you're going to build their respect, and you're going to build that trust level with them pretty dramatically. I know I promised you the seven absolute best ways to build your next generation of leaders. Well, here's an eighth one. The eighth one is that you always want to give something extra, just like I'm giving you an extra principle. (laughs) So uh, I give an example of this, by the way. There is a donut store in my neighborhood owned by a little oriental lady who is, she is an expert at maximizing word, word of mouth advertising. The first time that I ever walked through the doors, and by the way, I'm, 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 I don't eat donuts a lot. I mean, I know I look like I do, but I, I, I don't because I, at my age, I really can't anymore. But the first time I walked through her door, she greeted me with a warm smile. She thanked me over and over again for coming in and, and gave me a fresh, hot, donut hole to eat while I waited. So she's kind of, she had her, her little um, uh, gloves hand, you know, she was, had a little donut hole and gave it to me and I ate it. It, it was awesome, by the way. I mean, fresh donut holes are, are pretty good. But she had a whole store of people at the time and, and, but she treated each one of them as if he or she were the only person in the world at that time. And as I left the store with my order, I peeked into the box and I found two extra donuts. So I ordered a dozen. She gave me like 14 and I assumed that she had just made a mistake, but when I went back a couple of months later, she greeted me saying that, oh man, I was her good customer. She's so glad that I came back. And and again, I got more than what I ordered. When it happened the first time, I didn't really tell a whole lot of people because it, you know, it, it seemed like a mistake. But when I realized that that was her way of doing business, I started telling people left and right. I became her walking billboard, talking about how great this woman was and how great the donuts were and how great the service was and how friendly she was. And you can do the same in your business, by the way. Under-promise and over-deliver, and the customer will always be happy. You know, For instance, when, when I conduct sales training, I, you know, a lot of times I'll promise a 10% increase in sales. I know that's pretty easy, you know? So when my clients actually end up receiving, you know, 50% or 60% or 70% increase in sales, they're absolutely delighted because they're, they're getting more than what they even expected and they tell more people. They, so if you want to increase the word of mouth advertising, always give a little extra to your customers, clients, employees, coworkers, and you're gonna be that kind of person that everybody wants to be around. So in conclusion, building leaders from within doesn't just happen. I mean, great leaders make it happen. (laughs) You know, building a team of quality leaders isn't easy. It doesn't happen overnight either. The process takes time. It takes consistent effort. However, if you continually practice these time-tested skills, you're going to create a culture of teamwork within your organization. You'll you'll attract high-quality team members as well, and the reward far outweighs the work. So put these leadership principles into practice and you'll build a team of fantastic leaders at all levels of your organization.